God promised this good news long ago through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. The good news is about his son. In his earthly life, he was born into King David's family line, and he was shown to be the Son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ our Lord. So excited to get up here and preach. I forgot to turn my mic on. Hey, it's a wonderful time to gather, and we are glad that you are here today. If you are new here, let me say um, welcome. Uh, we are glad that you are in the house, especially as we are um, beginning a new series. It's the time of year when it seems like everyone in the, wor in the world is turning their attention to Jesus and to the time when uh, the one that we call Lord and Savior was born. And so uh, today as we kind of enter into this Christmas season together, we want to begin a new series we're calling Faith, Hope, and Love. And today I want to begin, uh, but I really want to start with this idea and this thought. Uh, Fleming Rutledge uh, once said this, Advent begins in the darkness. Advent begins in the darkness. And I think she was right. But you wouldn't know that by looking around here. Uh, because this is the season of bright lights, this is the season of commercials and Black Friday sales, this is the time to celebrate the holidays, and this is the time when, when you can turn your TV to the Hallmark Channel and there you have Hallmark Christmas movies on 24-7. It's the most wonderful time of the year for some of you who enjoy that. Now, this time last year, I took a lot of heat because I thought I was providing a public service announcement to our faith family at Riverside because I love and care for you all so much. I thought I would bring a little bit of a word about uh, the demise of our culture and maybe the end of the world as we know it, known as Hallmark Christmas movies. But some of you apparently took offense to that. And so I wanted you to know I'm always open to being uh, corrected. Um, I mean, some of you think that, you know, a whole genre of movies produced by a company known for one-line greeting cards is a good idea. If that's you, that's completely okay. But I, I went back because I want to be diligent and I did a little research. Here's what I found. You can judge for yourself about about these things called uh, Hallmark Christmas movies. Uh, Hallmark is producing, just so you know, again, public service announcement, upward to uh, 90 movies a year. 37 of those movies last year uh, were Christmas, Christmas movies that were viewed by, get this, over 80 million people. That's, that's significant. That's, that's pretty amazing, actually. Uh, if you didn't know this, uh, their movies on average have a budget of about $2 million. Uh, they're all shot mostly in the same town in Vancouver, Mostly on the same set, so you'll recognize things from, from film to film, and mostly by the same actor. So you'll be watching a movie thinking, I know her, or I know him. It's because you saw them in the movie right before that one. They're just wearing different clothes. Um, on average, just so you know, uh, they film these movies in, in their entirety in the course of 15 days. And uh, this year you can look forward to watching instant classics such as Check In to Christmas. See what they did there? Um, Christmas at Graceland. If you want to go international, they have Christmas in Rome. And premiering tonight, it's a good thing the Cowboys aren't playing. You can go home, get your hot cocoa, your blanket, snuggle up and watch Christmastown tonight, along with 24 new films that are debuting this month, leading up to the countdown to Christmas Day. Nobody's excited. I, I don't really, 
understand. Maybe I've convinced you all. I don't know. I don't, this is interesting. Here's what's amazing to me. Knowing all this, people will still watch these movies. Even though you know the story, even though you know how it's going to end, people will still watch and people will still cry. And some of you will say, my wife will say, we don't know how it's going to end. Don't spoil it. Spoiler alert, the boy's going to fall in love with the girl. The girl's going to fall in love with the boy. They're going to kiss and they're going to live happily ever after. And everybody watches these shows, 80 million people last year apparently, even though they know all of this. Why? Uh, Here's why I think we do this. And I think even those of us who don't watch these movies, this is the reason we like stories like these. It's because we don't live in a world of happily ever afters. We don't. We don't live in a world of happily ever afters. And to be quite honest, for some of you, this year is not the most wonderful time of the year. Because this time of year is going to bring grief, it's going to bring sorrow, it's going to bring sadness, it's going to bring difficulty, it's going to bring conflict. Because for whatever reason, your world is not the way it's supposed to be. Family is not the way it's supposed to be. Your marriage isn't the way it's supposed to be. Your kids, it's not the way it's supposed to be. Things at your job, it's not the way it's supposed to be. Things in in your life and in your world is not the way it's supposed to be. And we don't live in a world of happily ever afters. We live in a world that's filled with disappointment and a world that's filled with unmet expectation. And you know what happens in a world that's filled with disappointment and in a world that's filled with unmet expectation is people begin to lose faith. They begin to lose faith in God. They even begin to lose faith in his church. And they even begin to lose faith in each other. In a world filled with disappointment and unmet expectation, people begin to to lose lose hope. They lose hope in God. They lose hope in his church. And they lose hope in each other. In a world filled with disappointment and unmet expectation, people lose love. They lose their love for God. They lose their love for his church. And they lose hope love for each other because we don't live in a world of happily ever afters but the good news is that advent begins in the darkness and i would contend that this is why we need christmas and this is why we need the christmas story and this is why the church needs to tell the christmas story And for a long time, I don't know if you grew up in a church like this, but for a long time, uh, I grew up in a church like this, a church that didn't celebrate Christmas. You could walk into church in December, there wouldn't be a Christmas tree inside. There wouldn't be a wreath on the door. There would be no evidence that it was was Christmas. We didn't talk about it. We didn't celebrate it. We didn't sing joy to the world. You, You know why? Because Jesus wasn't born on December 25th. That's what we believed. And probably right. I mean, if you do the math, it probably didn't happen then. And in our desire to be right and in our desire to be precise, we decided we're not celebrating Christmas because we celebrate the birth of Christ every Sunday, right? And so we're not going to celebrate it at this time of year. But, but in our desire to be right and precise and all that, we, we missed the opportunity to tell the greatest story that's ever been told. We missed the opportunity to leverage the moment to tell the, the story of the faith we have, the hope that we hold on to, and the love that we enjoy because of Jesus Christ. And it's the kind of faith, it's the kind of hope, it's the kind of love that sustains people in the darkness. And so for the next few weeks leading up to Christmas, what we want to do as a faith family, as a church, is we want to lean into the author and the source of the faith, and the hope and the love that we have in God through Jesus Christ. So if you have your Bibles or your Bible up, I want to invite you to open up to Romans chapter 1. And you may be thinking, why are we going to Romans? We're going to spend the next few weeks 
in this letter called Romans, written to uh, an ancient church in the city of Rome by a man named Paul. And we want to do this because in that day and time, Rome was the epicenter of the world. But it was the epicenter of a world filled with darkness. It was a city filled with darkness. And in the middle of, of a political climate that was, that was thick, and in the middle of, of a world that was not the way it was supposed to be, Paul wrote these words to this church to encourage them. He told them the story of Jesus so that they would know how to live and how to follow this man named Jesus. And it would show them how to live in a world where they were, there were so many differences, so many reasons to be divided over ethnicity, over politics, even over, over their religion. And he wrote this letter to show them that there is a new way to live, and it's called the way of Christ. So I want you to hear how Paul begins this letter in Romans chapter 1. We'll read verses 1 and 2. He writes, this letter is from Paul. A slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach his good news. God promised this good news long ago through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Now, unlike some of the other letters that we have from Paul, some of the letters that we've even read here in recent weeks, Paul's writing this letter to this church in the ancient city of Rome, but he didn't start this church. In fact, as far as we know up to this point in his life, he hasn't even been to this church. But he's writing this letter to this church that's filled with both Jews and Gentiles to show them and to teach them that because of Jesus, there is now a way. God has made a way through Jesus so that everyone in the world, no matter where they come from, no matter their background, no matter what language they speak, what tribe they're from, it doesn't matter anything. Not even, it doesn't even matter the sin in their life. There is now a way that God has made through Jesus, for everyone in the world to come to God through Christ. And in fact, because of Jesus, there is nothing that can separate anyone from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And he begins this letter by reminding them of this truth. And he starts by saying, hey, it's my calling, it's my job to preach, to announce, to share this story, the story of this good news. And here it is, verse 3. The good news is about his son. In his earthly life, he was born... In the King David's family line. And he was shown to be the Son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ the Lord. So here's what I want you to see. In the very beginning of this letter that Paul is writing some 2,000 years ago to this church in the ancient city of Rome, Paul tells his own version of the Christmas story. Here it is. Jesus was born into the family of King David. Which, oh, by the way, fulfills what the prophets had written centuries before. It's what you see when you flip over to the nativity stories of, of Matthew and Luke and those genealogies that, that, that nobody ever really reads. But right there, if you read them, you'll see it shows you the path where Jesus comes from the line of King David's family. And, and this, is, this is Paul's message. This is who Jesus was. He was born into the family of King David. He was born in Bethlehem in the, in the city of David. He was a son of David. And that's good news, but that's not all the good news. That's part of the good news, but that's not the whole story. Here's the whole story. He was born into King David's family line, but then he died. But he was raised to life by the power of God's Holy Spirit. And then he says in verse 5, it's through Christ, through Christ God has given us the privilege and authority as apostles to tell Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them so that they will believe and obey him, bringing glory to his name. I don't know if you caught that, but here it is. Two times in the first five verses, Paul says it's his job 
to preach, to proclaim, to announce, to tell, to share the story of Jesus. That here is Jesus, Son of God, born into the family of King David, died, buried, resurrected by the power of the Holy Spirit. Annunciation is always a part of the Christmas story. Announcing the good news of Jesus into the darkness is always a part of the Christmas story. And this is how Paul begins this story. You you remember how the story began when Jesus was born. There were angels that announced the good news, the gospel, the story of the birth of Christ to to, to shepherds in a field nearby. And it was was women who on the day of his resurrection, that Sunday morning, that, that found the tomb was empty. And they ran back to announce the good news, the gospel story to the disciples who were waiting in Jerusalem to see what would happen next. Because annunciation, announcing what has happened, proclaiming the truth of the gospel, it's always been a part of the gospel story. And it's called the gospel because it's literally good news. In in the original language, it's the word euangelion. And in in the Jewish world, it harkened back to to Isaiah, uh, to to, to the call of the good news that would come to the people of Israel, announcing that Babylon had been defeated. Because at that time, the people of Israel were living in captivity under, under Babylon. And so it would be good news to hear that Babylon has been defeated and they would be set free and that Yahweh would return to Zion. This was euangelion. This was gospel. This was good news. In the Greek world, it had a little different meaning. In the Greek world, it meant that there was an ascension of a, of a new king, a new ruler, or it announced the birthday, the birthday of a new ruler or an emperor. And so right here, in the very first five verses of Romans chapter 1, Paul brings all of this meaning to bear. This is the gospel. This is the good news. This is the announcement. There is a king who has been born, and he is the king of kings, and he will set his people free, and God will return to his people. And and this is the ascension, the rise of, the birth of the new ruler, the new king of kings, the new lord of lords. This is the good news. Jesus was born into the line of King David. He is the son of God, He was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. For Paul, this is the Christmas story. But it doesn't stop there. Verse 6. You are included among those Gentiles who have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. And I am writing to all of you in Rome who are, get this, you are loved by God. And you are called to be his own holy people. You are included, you are loved, and you are called to be his own holy people. This is the story that Paul is sharing, that he's announcing, that he's telling, that he's preaching, that he's proclaiming. This is the good news that Paul wants this church to know. That you, you are included, you are loved, and you are his holy people. This is the faith that we have. That Jesus was born, that he died and he was resurrected by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the the hope that we hold on to, that because of Jesus Christ, we are now included in the family of God. And this is the love that we have. That there is nothing that can ever separate us from the love of Jesus Christ our Lord. We are loved by God. And this is the story that changes everything. This is the story that Paul wants to tell and announce, but he wants the church to also tell and share and announce to the world around them. 
I, I don't know if you know the, the name Rakita Bernie. Uh, Rakita Bernie is a, a single mom, and a few years ago she was, she was saving up all of her money because she was working towards buying a new home for her and her children. And, and, and as she was doing this, she was making lists because some of you know this, when, when you buy a house, especially your first house, it's not just buying your house, but you've got to buy all the stuff to go in the house. You've got to, you've got to get food for the pantry. You've got to get you know, stuff for the junk drawer, the scissors and the tape and the pins you need. You've got to get a lawnmower for the yard. You've got to get stuff for the room's kids and furniture for the living room. And so she was making list after list after list of all the things that she would, would need. And her friends kept telling her, just wait, just wait. When you get in your house, then you'll, you'll be able to, to figure out what you need, and, and we'll help you get it. We'll, we'll figure it out together. So you can imagine her surprise when she walked into her home for the very first time, to find that her home was fully furnished. And not only was it fully furnished for her and her children, but there was food packed in the pantry and the fridge. Not only that, but every drawer was full with scissors and tape and pins and all the miscellaneous things that you might need. There was a lawnmower in the garage, and and there was everything that she could have possibly thought of. It was already there. All that was made possible by a charity, a foundation started by Warwick Dunn uh, that he calls Homes for the Holidays. In 1997, Warwick Dunn uh, was a rookie in the NFL playing for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And his coach at the time was named Tony Dungy, and he encouraged his players. He said, I want you to make your life more than just about football. So Warwick Dunn began thinking, what can I do to help people? And he started thinking about his mom. His mom was a single mother to him and his five siblings. Uh, she was a police officer, and his senior year, she was shot and killed in the line of duty. Every year at the holidays, it was her dream to have a home, to own her own home, but she was never able to do that or provide that for her kids. Every holiday season, they would get in their car, and they would just go house hunting just for fun. But it was never something, no matter how many extra shifts she worked or how many extra jobs she took. In fact, the night she was killed, she was killed by taking on an extra shift. And so he thought about that, and he thought, I wonder if I could start something to help other single parents who are trying to get into a home for them and for their kids. And so he started this foundation. And, and every year, they did three his first year, and this past Thanksgiving, they did their 174th home, where they help provide fully furnished homes for single-parent families. They pay part of the down payment, and they provide interest-free financing, and they call it a, a hand up, not a handout, because they're trying to help single-parent families get into their very first home. Incredible story, incredible thing that, that, that they've done over the years. You may have seen part of that story this Thanksgiving day, like I did, watching football all day. It's a great story. It's a story that brings light into darkness. It's a story worth sharing, a story worth telling. It's a story that, that really, you know, it brings back, you know, faith in humanity and the world around us. It, it, it shows us there is hope in the world around us. It reminds us that there are people who, who love others in the world around us. And it's a really good story. But, but I got to tell you, as good as that story is, it's a really good story. The story we have to tell, the story we have to share, I believe is so much better. And I wonder if Paul was here today or if he was writing a, church, a letter to the church at Riverside. I, I wonder if he wouldn't just ask us, where in the world are you announcing the story? 
Where in your world, where in the world around you are you sharing the story? Are you announcing the story? Are you, are you telling the story of the great love of God revealed in Christ Jesus? Because it is the greatest story the world has ever known. And people are looking, people are needing good news stories because we live in a world. We live in a world where people don't experience happily ever after. We live in a world where people are, are living every day inundated with disappointment and unmet expectation. People need good news stories. So where in your world, what responsibility do you bear for sharing the good news that we know about God revealed in Jesus Christ with the people around us? Where are you telling those stories? Where are you sharing those stories? See, I believe this is what we are called to do. That you are called, I am called, you are called to announce the good news of the faith and the hope and the love that we have in Jesus into the darkness around us. And you do that. You, you do that every time you lend a helping hand. You do that every time you, you, you let your shoulder be the shoulder someone can cry on. You, you do that every time you, you come alongside somebody and, and you're, there, you're there to help and you're there to provide comfort. You're there to provide healing. You're there to, to provide whatever you can provide to help in the situation. You do that and so many of you do that everywhere, so well everywhere you go. But this is our calling. And, and it's not enough to stop short. It's not enough just to be present. We have to use our words and we have to say, hey, let me tell you why. Let me tell you the reason for me behind everything that I do. It, it all begins and ends with the good news I know about God through Jesus. I need to tell you why. I need to tell you the re- I need to tell you the story. Do you know the story? I don't know what you've heard about God, but let me tell you what I've heard about God. Let me tell you how I've seen him in my life. Let me share the good news story of Jesus. And, and I believe I believe this is what we as a church are called to do. And I really want to challenge you. And I want to challenge myself. The next four weeks, I want to challenge us to kind of step into this together. Because I think we can all agree the world around us is filled with enough negativity. The world around us is filled with enough toxicity. The world around us, there's enough complaining. There's enough anger. There's enough discord. There's enough division. What if we as a church, what if you, what if I, what if we as a people, what if we decided... You know, for the next four weeks, we're going to take a break from all of that. We're going to stop with the complaining. We're going to stop with the bickering. We're going to stop with the negativity. And let's speak and let's post and let's share stories and words of faith, of hope, and of love. What would change for you if over the next four weeks you took that challenge? What would change for you if over the next four weeks... And this is harder than you think, but you stopped complaining. You caught yourself every time you did, you know. Well, what if for the next four weeks you, you stopped being negative and you stopped being angry and you stopped being upset and you just let it go? And every time you decided, because this is a decision, right? You decided instead, I want to step into speaking words of faith and hope. And in those moments where I want to complain, in those moments where I want to be negative, in those moments where I want to just jump into to all of that, I, I'm just going to trust God instead. Because he's God, I'm not. He's God, I don't. What would happen? What would happen if we stepped back into being the kind of people, the kind of church that Paul is writing to here to say, this is my calling and it is our calling to be people who announce and share the story 
of the faith and the hope and the love that we have in Christ. The Christmas story always begins with annunciation. It always begins with people announcing the good news, speaking light into the darkness. So what if we became that just over these next few weeks leading up to Christmas? I think it has the potential to change everything. Church, if you would, let's, let's stand. Uh, so the Christmas story is set in the same town every year. It has the same cast of characters every year. And you already know how the story is going to end. But we need the Christmas story. Advent begins in the darkness. But we need the Christmas story. Because while it begins in the darkness, it brings forth light. And this is my desire for us is that we could be a church, we could be a people who speak words of faith, who speak words of hope, and who speak words of love to each other and to the world around us as we share the good news that we know and we hold, the good news of the great love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. Uh, this Sunday, if it's like every Sunday at Riverside, but I know that for a lot of you the world is not the way it's supposed to be. I'm going to invite our shepherds and their wives to make themselves available around the room. And like Doug said, one of our shepherds said earlier, if you're going through a season in your life where things aren't the way it's supposed to be and you need someone to pray with you, someone to encourage you, someone to, to speak love and life and hope into you, they would love to do that. They would love to pray over you. They would love to help you any way they can. They don't have all the answers, but they would be happy to usher you into the presence of the King of Kings. And they would love to help you. Uh, for the rest of us, this week, let's take on that challenge. And let's be people who speak, who post, who share good news stories. Stories of the faith and the hope and the love that we have in Jesus Christ, our Lord.